0: I! 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 He got I, fired from cane,
1: now we ain't got no shame! So we started the pod, Chuck Yates
2: needs a job! Hey everybody, welcome to Chuck Yates needs a job, the podcast. Got a good show today. I despite my better judgment, have invited two Democrats on the program today. Chase West, Larry Baggett, both running for state representative. And um, it's interesting because I've gotten to know Larry a little bit here, former energy executive. So I'll get Larry to tell us his background in just a second. Chase actually owns the Audio Realm Studios in Richmond, Texas. And is where i probably recorded the first 40 or 45 Chuck Yates Needs a Job podcast. So welcome in, gentlemen.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chuck. Great to Absolutely. be here.
2: Absolutely. So Larry, real quick, give us your background. Who are you and what are you running for? Well, uh,
1: native born Tennessean. Got to see the world at the hands of the U.S. Navy. I'm currently seeking the Texas House of District 3. Uh, lived internationally, worked internationally, and enjoyed traveling, meeting different types of people. Gotcha. Where's District Three? District-, district Three encompasses parts of uh, Montgomery and all of Waller, Texas, where you get over into Magnolia, and it, it, it jumps over 45 somewhere. You know they've redrawn the district map, and we're, we're we're trying, you know, trying to get a grasp on it. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, we have they released the map yet, or they're still working? They have released it. They've okay. released
0: it. designed.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So the question is finding it and, and make sure you can understand what changes have occurred. Yeah. Um,
2: so uh, I've got a really good redistricting story. My brother Jay was chief of staff for Joe Crabb, mm-hmm. who represented the Humble area, Republican, and this was, call it the early 90s or mid-90s. And, uh, and uh, anyway, he... Joe Crabb chaired a nondescript committee called the Redistricting Committee, which doesn't do anything except every 10 years, right? Right. And one day Tom DeLay called and said, you know what? We can redistrict anytime we want. You don't have to do it every 10 years. And so the Republicans redistricted um, Texas. I bet you remember that. The Democrats Mm -hmm. went off to Oklahoma and hid out during that, and Jay was— Uh, Chief of Staff So Jay was in effect Secretary of that committee And uh, ran all that And Jay's got wild stories Of people breaking into his office Stealing maps And (laughs) all of this good stuff And Jay was just like I thought I had a cushy job While I was in law school (laughs) But
0: Yeah, no, no I remember that was That was quite the kerfuffle What was that, 2003?
2: Yeah, I said mid-90s And I meant to say mid Kind of 2000s, 2010 Yeah Yeah it was a, uh, it was interesting times. Chase, give us your background.
0: Oh, so my, I mean, I'm Chase West. I'm running for uh, Texas State Representative in House District 132 against Mike Schofield. Um, basically, I have lived in that area for nearly 40 years. Um, I'm a native uh, of Harris, Harris County. Um, my opponent is from New Jersey. Don't say get a rope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed. Uh, but you know, the thing is is I'm I'm just tired of seeing career politicians uh coming in there letting the lobbyists, you know, get in their back pocket cuz I mean, a Texas state representative makes $7200 a year. Like that's that's not money you can like live off of. So they're they're making their money somewhere else and it's it's through lobbying. <clears throat> and I'm tired of seeing my area that I've grown up in, that I raised my daughter in, not have actual representation. We Where just, is that?
2: What, what area um, District 132? It
0: is uh, parts of Katy that are in Harris County and parts of Cypress in Harris County.
2: Gotcha. You know how they got past um, the state legislature getting paid $7,200 a year? This was, I forget how many years ago, but basically legislators never got paid. And they would try to vote themselves money, and it would always get shot down because of bad publicity. Somebody finally got the, I'm going to say the good sense, even though I don't agree with it, but somebody got the good sense. They put a constitutional amendment up, and it basically says, in no way, shape, or form under any circumstance should a legislator ever get paid more than $7,200 a, a yeah. year. Uh, And and that's how they did it. People were like, yeah, they shouldn't get any more than that, not realizing that was actual creation of salary. Yeah. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) So I appreciate you two guys coming on because what I'd like to do is talk about energy policy and just how we kind of navigate that. I think folks know me. I'm a libertarian that probably votes Republican 90 some odd percent of the time unless unless there's a libertarian on the ballot for stuff. But what I wanted to ask you guys is, like, why are you trying to trash and get rid of my industry? I don't think either
1: of us are. Good. And, and that I, was meant I to 100% be. agree with that statement because when you get deeper into it, you will find out we're in support of it. But it can be expanded to way more of a, a positive conversation by people trying to kill your uh, market. No, and I, I appreciate that, and that was my shock question.
2: I thought I'd get a bigger rise. Y'all are too <laughs> y'all, y'all, for
1: your amateur politicians
2: running for the first time. Y'all handled that very well. No, um, no that's, that's what I'd love to talk about. And I, let me set up a, a, a premise here, and we'll see if that leads somewhere. I think folks on my side of the table, energy veterans, energy industry folks, need to understand that CO2 emissions are rising. Since 1950, we've gone from 300 parts per million to 425 parts per million today. And the temperature has risen. I mean, we can all debate on whether it's, you know, ironclad science that there's causation there, or is it really just correlation? But it's something we need to be concerned about and something we need to be thinking about and at least studying, because at the end of the day, I've been in a, in a, uh, where they grow flowers and stuff, um, a greenhouse, and it's a thousand parts per million CO2 to feed the uh, flowers and stuff. It's miserable. I don't yeah. want that. I don't, I don't want to go outside. But I think the other side, environmentalist, and I understand a lot of their concerns they do need to accept the premise that burning hydrocarbons has been good for humanity. I mean, your life your life expectancy based as a society doubles when you go from burning wood and dung to burning hydrocarbons, and you can go down all the immeasurable good things that oil and petroleum-based products have done for the world. So there's got to be something in the middle there. So I set that as a premise and Chase, Larry, one of y'all choose, go first and say so it from there.
0: So what I'll say about that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Texas is probably one of the most diverse states as far as the type of electricity that we use. We have huge wind fields. We have huge solar fields. Uh, of course, we have our natural gas our you know, oil, all that good stuff, but um, and I think I told you this uh, the other day, but uh, a friend uh, who was a petrochemical, he had like a master's in petrochemical engineering had told me that his professor told him one day that, you know, with all of the good that, 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 you know, oil and gas and, you know, petrochemicals can do for mankind, like all the, 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 uh, what's the word? I can't even think of the word. All of the technological advances, basically, um, you know we're really going to be sad in the future that we burned up most of it. um We've got so many different you know ways that we can create energy, and like right now, like we're still blaming the freeze on 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 windmills uh, and, and stuff like that, whereas you know we just haven't done our job we haven't we haven't winterized anything we haven't we haven't gone through the necessary steps. To make you know oil and gas, to to make you know wind energy, to make solar energy, to make it efficient enough to where we can run our own grid. And I
1: mean, well, I, I agree with what you're saying, Chase. There, and you, you know me now for a while. i have got the opportunity to talk. I'm a man about thinking outside the box. Uh, the windmills, solar energy, gas, oil is great, but I think what has happened. I've got a background investigation. And then good investigator, you just don't look at the stuff given to you in the front. You have to look at all angles. What's the possibility? What happened with the windmills? They really didn't calculate being in an area that would freeze using these windmills. So therefore, Texans are without power and you got people playing politics and people go on rolling blackouts and things of that nature. But I advocate that the main uh, supplier of energy, brand new blood. Because right now you have people that think inside the box, right? They're always just thinking the same. And I want to tell a quick story about like Henry Ford. When he wanted to cast all eight cylinders in one block, he went to his engineer and said, Hey, guys, I, I you know, I want you to do this. And they said, Well, Mr. Ford, it can't be done. He said, Great. Go ahead and do it anyway. And this went on for a while. And eventually one of the engineers looked at him and said, We can do this. And the, the problem is you got to start you got to stop thinking in the box. And everyone has served their time as per bringing the market up to this point, right? But you've got to get some new innovative thinkers. Bring in some new blood. And with you, some of the more senior people, and we can address these issues better. And they're just not being addressed. They're, they're using the same old thought process. You've got to think outside the box from different angles. Something you could never, ever conceive could be how possible work, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting on the BDE show that Colin and I do the other day, um, we were talking about nuclear power and a VC somewhere said, you know, it's too bad we didn't invent nuclear power today, because if we did, we'd actually go, Holy cow, we've solved our energy problem. We've got a <laughs> we've got a clean source. But to kind of drill down on on both what you guys say, I think the one thing we that I think would be helpful in terms of both sides talking to each other is I think wind and solar you know make a lot of sense in certain applications Correct. you know I mean as a base load power, it's difficult to have those as your base load because yeah. I know we didn't winterize uh, wind stuff and the freeze and all that. If you, I, and I actually did this if you went and pulled the wind speeds, from the counties where the wind power is in Texas, it was all pretty much below 25 miles per hour, and that's what you need. Mm-hmm. So uh, there were definitely problems that some of those were frozen over and didn't work, but there just wasn't a lot of wind there. But I'm not going to be an oil and gas homer and say you throw the baby out with the bathwater on that. It, no, it clearly it clearly has its place. We just have to we have to come up with a solution where a base load is something we can count on.
0: Well, and you know, this is what I think. You know, first of all, we shouldn't offer. You know, the big oil and gas companies. You know, uh, why don't you write us a letter and pay us one hundred fifty dollars, and you won't have to winterize your part, because that's what they're trying to do. Uh, so for one hundred fifty dollars, all of the oil and gas companies can say, "Oh, well, we're just not going to winter. We're not going to winterize our stuff." Uh, same with the 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 windmill and, you know, solar. Uh, I think that's asinine. First of all, we have to winterize our grid. I don't care, you know, what it costs. I don't care, you know, which company has to pay for it. But we have to do that first. Secondly, a lot of people don't realize that there are three uh, super switches in Texas that connect to the other grids. Now, obviously, we want to be reliant on ourselves. I get it. I'm all for it. However, I mean, only one of those switches has ever been opened, and that was one in hit my. Only one of those switches has ever been opened, and that was one in Beaumont, and it was open during uh, Harvey. Uh, so we were actually getting electricity from Louisiana. Uh, there are two other switches: one up uh, in the Panhandle, and then one over uh, near Lake El Paso that goes to like New New Mexico and the Western Grid. Now, if we were able to winterize. Everything and, and secure our grid uh, to where it's going to be reliable. I mean, that's what ERCOT's even for. We would have the ability to say the southeastern grid went went down. You know, we could we could flip that switch, and we could offer them power and start making money off of them, and vice versa. Say the power you know there's tornadoes up in you know Kansas or whatnot. Guess what? If our stuff was reliable, we could flip that switch start charging them for electricity, you know, and vice versa. Um, and, and most people don't even know that these switches exist. But the, oh, the reason we don't use them and cannot use them is because at this point, without it being weatherized, we run the, the, the risk of, of, you know, damaging their equipment. Yeah, and that was uh, the
2: reason the Texas grid is standalone is from back in the past. And I want to say it was the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um oh, Texas actually chose not to join their grid with other folks in order to avoid federal regulation of it. And mm-hmm. so that was a political stance from the thirties i I could actually be talked into we ought to join the rest of the grid. I mean, in this day and age, I mean the because the problem is with with electricity just in general, mm-hmm. there's no way to store it. I mean. If you look at all the battery capacity we have on the grid in the United States, if the whole grid went out, we'd have about 30 seconds of power.
1: Yeah. You know, a
2: minute or two of power tops. And so, you know, you just can't store in any sort of sufficient amounts power. So I could be talked into we need to join the rest of the grid. I am not well versed enough in power, though, Mm -hmm. to be able to have that constructive conversation with you. but. At least at this point, the right and the left have said, let's go have a constructive conversation right. about joining the rest of the grid. And I
1: agree with you because I, I, don't, I don't know your background, but I'm not an expert in I can I'll get, I'm good at investigating and getting details. But you said something, too. So I think some of the problems that are occurring is you still got politics. You got to have politics and stuff in some way, shape, or form. But that's why the people, aircrafts, not being held accountable for those blackouts. No one, they, you know, you had board members step down. What to do no one's held accountable but I, as i did an interview with a newspaper reporter and she titled it politics out in people first we've got to get back to serving the people i understand these elected career politicians they like the little special gifts they get thing i call them bribes. they don't you know you when i convince you to vote for me on the way or And I give you something in return that's called a bribe. For you educated people, that's a bribe. Whether it's money or a vacation home or a special front and line privilege, it's a bribe.
2: So, okay, I'm going to totally change topics here because I want to stay on this point. I knew we'd cover it at some point. Sorry, Larry, you don't know me as well. (laughs) She says, I have ADD. It just jumps (laughs) around all over the place. Hey, I'm calling today. We'll we'll come come back to the grid. (laughs) The... I think one of the issues to your point about politics is ultimately you have to serve the base of your party. Republican has to serve the base, Democrats have to serve the base. Do you feel like do you feel like an investigation, a discussion, sitting down with the energy companies, crafting a solution? Can you do that within the Democratic Party? Given the environmentalist elements that are important in the base,
0: well, and let me
2: ask one other question, Larry. Do you have a Democratic primary opponent? uh, Not to my knowledge, right right Okay, so y'all, we at at this point, y'all are both running unopposed. Yeah.
0: Um, and I know you kind of asked Larry, but I'm going to hijack the mic here uh, because (laughs) I I feel very strongly about something you said. Um, You said that our job is to represent the Democratic base as Democrats. I completely disagree. Um, my, my district is roughly 52% Republican, 48% Democrat. When I'm elected, yes, I have to represent the Democrats who elected me, but I also have Republican constituents and I have a duty to them as a Texas state representative. Your first duty is to the Texas constitution. Your second duty is to your constituents, and your third duty is to the state of Texas constituents because you're making laws for everyone in the state, even though you represent this small area. So that's – I had to get that out.
2: No, no, that's very fair, (laughs) and if I was being more articulate, I should have said something to the effect of can you win the Democratic primary and become the nominee –
1: by having a centrist position on energy, I maybe, I maybe should have said it that way. And if I can't like to chime in, I think you can, because one, as Chase and I have discussed with other uh, candidates who are running on the Democratic ticket, we've got to get the party back to the middle. The far leftists don't work. We want I but we Sorry. we will not rubber stamp poisoned. Period. We must get back to serving the people and. Just as far as the Republicans, they get far right. They get so extreme. They have to come back to the middle and sit down and talk really seriously. So you're going to have new Democratic candidates like myself and Chase West coming up that we're going to start changing the face of the Democratic Party here in Texas. We can start with where we live because now when I was younger, we were we grew up Democrats because the Democrats stood up for the working class people the people of color, it didn't matter. But they started playing games. Their poison and infection got in this party and they began to push poison into the policies that help everybody. And myself and Chase, we are committed to being the next, uh, the change in the Democratic Party with other members. Uh, we, we talked about a coalition yeah, well, on that issue and that uh, we have to because there are many Democrats that are flag waving, gun-toting, truck-driving people in the state of Texas, across this country, and I honorably serve this nation in the United States Naval Service. I've been a police officer. So not all Democrats, that's, so, that's what's bad. They try to pigeonhole us. And when you talk to us, you go, well, wait a minute, how can you be on the Democratic ticket? Because I believe in certain policies. I've always more identified with the Democratic side because they were more open on certain issues, right? The Republicans haven't changed nothing. They're about big business, big big donors. They hadn't had to change the Democrat party itself though. Mm-hmm. Created the situation, so as de- uh, upcoming Democrats, we have to stand up and say, no more. We're not, we have to get on course where we're serving the people, not ourselves, Not rubber stamping anything. Well, I've said it repetitively. I will not uh, push poison for
0: nobody. And we're growing a spine. Yeah. Because we've been spineless for the last 30 years in Texas. You know, whatever our party tells us how to vote, that's how we vote. I'm sorry, you know, sometimes. Republicans have good ideas. I hate to admit it. And, and, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're recording. Did I you know? know we I did know. But, you know, we've gotten to this just where it's just extreme fringe politics, uh, whether it's CNN or Fox or OAN or MSNBC, it's whatever is sensational that's going to pick up the, the media, you know, attention. And we got to stop looking at it like that because that's not that's not serving the people. You know, when we're, you know, pushing all these crazy bills and and, and you know, we know we have a supermajority, you know, like the Republicans do in Austin. Like, you know, what was, what 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 are the Democrats going to do? You know, all the the most they could do was break quorum to try to you know, stop it, which that didn't stop anything. Uh so We've got to grow backbone. We've got to learn to not be bullied and to talk to the other side just as they talk to us, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, one of the dynamics I think that happens is, you're right, there's totally been a bifurcation of what I call advocacy media, right? We've gone from Walter Cronkite telling us this is how it is to both sides fighting and yelling at each other on TV. I think one of the maybe underappreciated things is with the redistricting and it becoming a real weapon, What at least what I think's happened part ways in Texas is you've created heavily Democratic districts, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't want, if you're the ruling party, you don't want everything 50-50. You want to give them, like, five seats that they can win 90% in, and then we will, we'll yes. be 60-40 in the rest. Which is what they've done. Which is what they've done. And, I mean, part of that had was driven by the federal government, though, and minority districts. So, I mean, part of it, part of it was on that front. But I think what that does is when you have a very safe Democratic seat, the most liberal members get elected. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, that's been the voice of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Over the last thirty years in Texas, yeah,
0: I mean, which is part of the reason why why I want to enact term limits for all state elected uh, you know representative officials. Um, I also think that redistricting should be done by an independent council, uh, nonpartisan, uh, to actually represent the people uh, because the way they split up my area, like it, it, it's, it's almost humorous, like. They they took one chunk of, of the uh Hispanics and moved them out. And then they took uh a chunk of the uh less affluent uh Caucasians and put those in John Rosenthal's district. Uh so they're like, Yeah, we gave you two big, you know, democratic districts. But it's like, whoa, hold on, you just tore our whole, like, this is our community. And you just tore us all, all up uh, right uh, by, by my house uh, is now the same community that goes all the way to A-Leaf and West Chase. Like, you know, that's not my district, but like, how much sense does that make? Those are totally different communities. Uh, and then they've got uh, John Rosenthal's district, which was just Jersey Village uh, in like that kind of area. Uh, and they moved all the the less affluent Caucasians into his district, and now he's in Park Katie. Yeah, it's just like, so my district is just Katie, and then I gotta go around uh, <laughs> uh, Rosenthal, <laughs> and then I gotta go back up to Cyprus. You almost have to have a map
1: to figure out how they route wrong. some yeah. of these districts. Yeah, going, uh, I don't know if I'm in the right location. I was mm-hmm. looking at it on the computer, going, huh, like a deer in the headlight, look what. Why would we go this way, jump over 45, and do a loop, come back over 45? Yeah. You know, I've always said with oh, comical, sometimes you wonder how they drew these state lines. And you watch a History Channel, you'll see. You think, I said, no, it's was We're just drunk. We're going to mess them up. Watch <laughs> this. This is kind of cool. You yeah, know, we could put the county line here, and we're going to break it up and say the county line here. For example, I live in a Waller, Texas. Hockley is supposed to be in Waller. Hockley, Texas is, uh, I would say, 20 minutes plus away from where I live at. I'm more close to Magnolia by five miles. I was, just, I was drunk. They were having fun with us. <laughs> you know, so. But there's. I want to switch back to something you said in, uh, about uh, term limits. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to ping off that a little bit, too. I'm a 100% supporter of term limits. We have to have them because after so long yeah, as an elected official, you become detached. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know no more. You just go, it's just like in my district, uh, Cecil Bell Jr. This is his fifth term of office, I understand. So he's, at the end of it, he's got 10 years. Last time, no one ran against him. Do you think he might get a little, he gotten a little comfortable? You're going to vote me in because I'm a Republican and I'm Cecil Bell Jr. I've been here for five years. Well, we can't do that. But I will not only... Set term limits, but I want not just oversight committees looking at what these as official I do, but I want real tangible disciplinary actions to take against a sitting official that thinks you can negate it. Say, "Well, I'll just step down." If you commit a criminal act, we need stronger laws on that uh, that our elected officials need to be uh, held accountable to, and not excused because so many people. When former President Trump got elected, they said Hillary Clinton's going to jail. She wasn't going to jail ever. You're talking politics. No right. one. If if I'm I've got to, I've had the security clearance, right? If I'd have done a, a minute what she had been accused of as Secretary of State, I'd still be in Leavenworth, right. thinking about when I get to go outside. If, if you didn't already have your final meal, yeah, that, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. exactly. So I just will when you're. Put in a position of responsibility, trust, and you violate it. There need to be higher standards held against you you you're for violating the law. Maybe some people say that's unfair. No, it's not. If I trust you to be my governor, and I I blatantly violate that you blatantly violate the law, then you can say, well, okay, well, I, maybe I shouldn't have done it. No, 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 no. There me not just words of accountability. There needs to be. Uh, repercussions. So, okay, so in our
2: grand compromise, how we're we're figuring out, uh, and we haven't thrown each other, anything at each other and all that, term limits for uh, politicians. Yes. I'm good with that. What about term limits for uh, bureaucrats? Like, you can't work for the State Department, and I chose that, or the Education Department, or we probably ought to pick something in the Texas uh, government for more than 20 years or 15 years. I worry, because I worry about everything you just said. At least a politician is somewhat accountable to the voters. I Mm -hmm. I agree they have, that it's pretty easy to maintain reelection and all that. But at the end of the day, bureaucrat who may wield more power than a state rep, sitting there for 22 years, do they feel... I mean, than in, now, I, maybe.
0: I, I think that that's something worth looking at. Um, I don't know. Cause I'm not there yet to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of those, what would be considered bureaucrats or, or you know, secretaries or, uh, mail sorters or whatever, who have sure. just been there for 20, some 30 years, however long. And that's all the only, the only job. That's they a good know. point. I'll give you, I'll give uh, you that. So yeah, that... like, I mean, it, it just depends They're, you know, you have to kind of look at it and figure out where to draw the line. Like, where is it, you know, if someone has been a staffer to, you know, uh, a certain type of, of, uh, representative for so long. Well, if we've got term limits, well, then they're not gonna be a staffer that, you know, yeah. Uh, representative anymore. Um, so, I mean, it's something it, to look at. I, I mean, I definitely know what you're getting at. Um, but I'm not gonna say yay or nay at no, this point.
2: No, that's that's fair. I threw it out there to think about cause you know, part of accountability to your point, Larry, is if they have to go after ten to twelve years, I'm just making that up, the bureaucrat. To some degree, I think that helps with accountability because beyond that potentially you're you're unaccountable. Um any idea of how we create something that's Nonpartisan on accountability, you know, because I mean, right now, I think what we have is whoever controls Congress investigates the other side and not their side. Yeah, uh, I think we're even seeing that in the Department of, of Justice at the federal level. You know, here at the state level in Texas, it's probably all of the same too. Any thoughts on how we uh, create the uh, the nonpartisan accountability?
1: Well, I think you have to start with it looking at your future elected officials, because if they have no accountability prior to going into office, don't worry, they're going to have none sitting up there in Austin. Mm -hmm. I think you have to start there, because... Some sort of change in the immunity that... that, That's right. And that's a law of some sort, right, that
2: just says whatever it is, that... You don't have immunity if you commit a criminal law. Yeah, okay. 100%. percent okay. something has got, got to be written in the law okay. books
1: not to excuse you. And say, so, "Okay, I'll step down without... I will plea bargain you're not going to criminally charge me with a felony because what I've done was illegal and I knew it when I did it, right? Yep. It's just like judges. And, a couple of years ago, we had three judges in Harris County. Every one of them got arrested because they were committing felonies from the from the position they held. So and they should have been held in a higher accountability because they they were entrusted to be a partial of uh, not kind of a partial person or a person outside of what's going on. Okay. The words not coming yet. but you get the gist. Right. But the three of them they they were finally held accountable. They were in shackles in in Harris County jumpsuits with waist chains like every other criminal. But yeah. the, what. Made those cases unique, where they were—they violated a very important trust. It's like the, it's like the parent, and this is a very touchy subject with people are very angry. It's like the parent that molests their children. They violated such a trust that almost like a God-given trust that you're supposed to be there for them, and you're supposed to be at a higher standard, right? Right. So elected officials, whenever you violate the trust of the voter that you're in your, your district case is you go up there and you start acting like the rest of them and go what the, what did he say now now you're up there doing stuff you're 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 covering stuff up you shouldn't be doing it you you've got to be held to a higher accountability than the average person on the street cuz you sought out that position him and I we were appointed that we sought out being state representative members cuz we want to make a positive impact and change in, Road, uh, you know, get get some backbone
0: up there in Austin. And I'll bring up two points to that. First, when we write that legislation, can we call it the Paxton Doctrine? Uh, <laughs> second, <laughs> sorry, that was too good. I was waiting. I was like, okay, you when wrote can that I, last when, night. When fair can that? <laughs> uh, second, you know, one thing that that I've already made a pledge to do is to keep in contact with my constituents. Uh, every quarter I will hold a town hall, whether it be virtual or whether, whether it be in my area where constituents can, they can, you know, come and talk to me or be zoom or whatever and talk to me about things they, they're concerned about, or, you know, if they're mad about, you know, this bill that I signed, et cetera, et cetera. And I will talk and I will listen. I will reason with them. Uh, they can all hate me. It could be a big cuss out session, but I owe it to them to give you know to give them that update um so I mean I am vowing to have that quarterly you know town hall type session uh on anything that's going on in the legislature, anything that we're working on uh any concerns that my constituents have, et cetera, et cetera et cetera. Secondly, I have a cell phone number just for like my candidacy. Um, I'd have to look at my phone to see what the number is. Cause I don't call it. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I've given it out on, on, you know, several shows and it's online. Uh, but my constituents can actually call and it'll go to my cell phone and I'll, you know, if they leave a message, I will call them back. Or if it's during the day and I'm not busy, I'll answer and I'll talk to them. Um, I don't know of anyone else who, who has kind of made that kind of oath to their constituents, like to really be there for them. So, I mean, I don't care if there is just the most fringe Republican who, you know, call, wants to call me a, a commie, uh, you know, whatever, commie tree hugger. That's fine. You know, you're my constituent. So I, I have I, I need to listen to you. What is it that makes you think I'm a commie tree hugger? How can we fix this? How can I change how you view me? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Hey, everybody, Chuck Yates here. Let's face it. If you're using waves to drive around Houston and rush hour traffic, it just sucks, right? They're always trying to have you turn left onto Westheimer against traffic. Or if you're going out to the suburbs, you'll put in an address you wind up in the middle of a field and you're going, hey, what? (laughs) Help. So I can't even imagine trying to use waves out in the oil field. And I can't imagine that because let's face it, I'm a finance guy and I always wore really expensive Yeezy tennis shoes. So I didn't go to the oil field because they might get dirty. I think y'all have probably heard me tell that story the one time I went out into the field and I was looking around my hard hat on and turned to my partner, Mike Hines and go, hey, Mike and it's pretty dirty out here. And he goes, Chuck, please don't tell the company man that or you will get your ass kicked. But anyway, need I digress. So I can't imagine trying to find my way around the oil field just using waves. I'm sure it sucks. Well Site navigator got you covered on this, though. They've mapped 19,000 miles of lease roads out there. They've helped 100,000 hands get to millions of wells in 22 different states. Safe, efficient, effective. So help your team out. Get well site navigator. It's the oldest, most trusted app in the oil field service world. It'll help you get your people get to their site on time, no more wasting time driving around looking for stuff. And oh, by the way, if you ever want to take your private equity guy out there, you sure as hell don't want to be lost. So you'll get cram code. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that's good stuff. The the flippant, y'all are gonna laugh at it, but I'm actually serious about this. I think that the party that introduces a bill, the other party should get to name the bill. You know? That'd be interesting. Well, I mean, right? You, yeah. you, you draft something that's that, called the Clean Water Act. Well, of course everybody yeah. likes clean water. And I think there would be some nasty remarks at first, <laughs> but I think eventually it would push people together of, okay, you're, I'm going to call that the Satan Worshiping Act, you know? All right, fine. <laughs> we'll call it, you know. and, and Not bad. Yeah, Not bad. Let's let's go back to energy, because this is something that I think is gonna be a big deal. If y'all are both elected, we're gonna have to work on this together. The industry is gonna have to work with the railroad commission, it's gonna have to work with the legislature, and it's gonna have to you're gonna have to work with the environmentalists. We have a lot of stranded wells. Mm -hmm. You know, you basically because what you do is you go drill a well, you produce it, and everybody thinks. Non-energy people think that a well just runs out of oil one day. It it just becomes uneconomic. It's still making oil. It just costs more to get the oil out. So you temporarily plug it because at the end of the day, you always find more stuff to do in that well board. If it's a behind pipe zone or whatever. And then at some point when you deem there's nothing left to do, you're supposed to plug it um, and uh, and move on. Well, people hate to spend money, right? So they don't plug wells. So there are a lot of of plugged and or uh, unplugged wells out there that are going to have to be dealt with. There are also a bunch that were plugged and abandoned but they were done 25 years ago may not be holding today. And that so,
0: brine is just you know, saturating brian, the yeah.
2: brian brine is sitting there. So I bring that up because you know if you had thoughts on it let's talk about it if not
1: if uh not i may make some suggestions well i'll, I'll uh, put my two cents worth in on it uh, and you you will probably know this we do we have current inspectors that even after they're supposed to be plugged that goes around on an annual basis or every couple of years to inspect as well do we actually have someone at the state level that goes out once they've had these five being plugged, do they go out and do re-inspections to make sure everything's holding?
2: No, it's, it's, I mean, that's an oversimplification. Railroad commission's supposed to do it. Railroad generally looks to industry. And generally speaking, look, I think a lot and most of energy acts responsibly, but a lot of folks don't, right. in fairness. And so, so... They're supposed to be self-reporting on that. Um, I have a, uh, I know of a situation where reports were turned in that wells were supposedly plugged and abandoned, mm-hmm. and they just weren't. I mean, the reports. So there, there is something. And I tell folks from the industry, look, I'm energy loud, energy proud, but I tell folks from the the energy business, the oil and gas companies. You need to get on top of this and monitor your own and take care of your own, or else the railroad commission is going to start doing it in a bad way. Or if the railroad commission won't do it, the feds will come in and start doing it.
0: Well, yeah, and the problem that you're going to have with that is anytime you involve government, things get messed up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just just yeah. being honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we really need independent councils who are you know in charge of that. I know the situation you're talking about because I, you yeah, know, you were, you were, I, you I did were that podcast. executive producer right. of that podcast, um, yeah. and you know the fact that you know her mother died, uh, her cows are probably going to die if they haven't already, um, and it was just because no one cared. Um, you know that's that's a situation that we cannot have. That's the type of situation that uh, enrages the 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 green people. Uh, if that's what I'm going to call him, uh, you know, <laughs> I I, get I, 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 I'm I'm all I'm all about you know environment and being environmentally conscious, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh, you know, but when we're even our own like you know forces, our railroad commissioner is not having any kind of council that goes out and checks and stuff. Uh, because we know it happens, and especially you know twenty thirty years ago when you know. Oil was just booming all over the you know, Permian. Sorry, go hitting and stuff. Even when oil oh, was ironic. booming, the you know, end of the studio right? keeps hitting the <laughs> mic. You know, when, when when the Permian was just going crazy. Uh, you know, we knew we we know where all these these well You know where they are. We know where they are, and we're not inspecting them properly. We need an independent council, which is going to make jobs. You know. Uh, we have an abundance of, of of funds in our budget, so it's not like, oh, we're wasting taxpayer money. I'm sorry, if we can preserve the beauty of Texas and also keep oil and gas jobs going, I think that's a win-win.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think the balance that you two guys are going to have to strike in the legislature when this issue is is dealt with is... On one hand, yes, we need to plug and abandon these wells and make sure that um, they're sealed, no leaks, et cetera, all that. At some hand, uh, on the other hand, we require so much in the way of certain things that producing oil and gas in the United States becomes more expensive and all you do is produce it in Saudi Arabia and Russia. and Those folks don't care at all about the environment. And so I think when uh, when y'all are sitting down at the the table and part of that backbone um is going to be having to look at environmentalists and saying hey this is actually fair you know yeah. putting them on a schedule to get it done mm-hmm. and monitoring it so that that's kind of why I bring it up cuz it it's going to be an issue cuz I'll just tell you what's happened in kind of the finance world of that 20 years ago you didn't even think about plugging and abandoning wells, because the working assumption was, you know, all the stuff we yank out of those wells, that kind of pays to plug and abandon it. So it's a okay. zero. So let's not worry about it. And then call it 10 years ago, it became a little bit of an issue. So you at least put in cost to plug and abandon the wells, but it was out near 40 or 50. So present value-wise, it didn't cost much. Nowadays, I guarantee you, anyone looking at financing an oil and gas project, they're talking about how much does it cost to plug and abandon these wells? What's the schedule to do that? Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, we may not actually buy this property because I know the law says we can have a temporarily abandoned well there for a while, but we don't want that on our watch. So it's it's going to be
1: an issue. Well, I think when you sit down with them, too, and, and I'm I'll, I'll always referencing uh, the background as an investigator. When you're when we're discussing things, you may be a hatred of oil and gas. You've all all you've got in your your tank about emissions, things of that nature. What's going on in the atmosphere? But then, of course, a good investigator brings up, "Well, did you know that it was doing this? Did you know that it, when? It, do you want to debate someone with facts, or you want to debate someone with opinions? Because usually, if you have facts and I'm coming in with opinions, I don't want to debate you because you can show." What service it does provide, and not not just the negative portions of it. It does, you know, bring more to what than what the news media wants to report. You know, so uh, I think that's a matter of also knowing your subject when you sit down with them. The pros and the cons, and you can find common ground. Oh yeah, you can be a green a green person, or you can be a gas and oil person. There's common ground. And it's helping everybody. But the first thing it is, got to get everyone sitting down together and say, okay, how are we going to make this work? Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting you bring that point up because this
2: is something else I want to touch on. And this is just my take on things. So critique however you want. Um, You know, because I've had the Antina Ranch podcast and various others. There's a running joke. I think there's a meme out on Twitter that says the fastest animals on the planet, the cheetah, the hummingbird, and Chuck Yates with a microphone running <laughs> towards someone that hates <laughs> the oil and gas business. But I, I really am a big believer of we need to police our own. And if something's wrong, we need to call it out and just just say it's wrong. Um, and we also probably ought to say, hey, by the way, we messed that up, we're sorry. Um, and it's interesting. So I think, through some of that, the other side has reached out to me, you know, messages on Twitter. I've talked to a fair amount on the phone. And um, what I seem to think, and I even, talking to my 19-year-old daughter, it's, I get this vibe too, is it's not necessarily that burning hydrocarbon is per se evil in the environmentalist mind. Yeah, no. the The true... Extreme environmentalists just don't trust the oil and gas uh, companies. And so they actually Mm -hmm. think the rhetoric of the planet will blow up in 10 years, because they don't all believe that. I mean, Obama's not going to buy a Martha's Vineyard house on the ocean if he truly thinks the ocean's going (laughs) to rise 20 (laughs) feet. I mean, right. So, but they think their tactics are justifiable because they're having to fight fire with fire. So one of the things I'd love to hear y'all's take on that, and then my ask would be is it would be really great if we were able to figure out some way to build trust so we could talk about these type of things and find that middle ground you're talking about, Larry. So
0: I think that trust comes from accountability because let's say you go into a fast food restaurant, you order a cheeseburger, no ketchup, fries, and, a, and a, a beverage. We're not going to... And a tea. <laughs> a tea. And tea. There we go. <laughs> okay. And so fries are cold. There's ketchup on your cheeseburger. And the tea, you know, it, it, it tastes like the urn. Well, you tell the manager and they're like, sorry, uh, you know, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And so you're like, okay, so you, you know, take your not what you ordered and then finally after a few weeks you're like eh, I'll go back in you order the same thing well this time they recognize you they mess up your order again and charge you more for it and you're like hold on what? <laughs> and, and what? that's that's what a lot of the old school oil and gas companies have been doing uh, they've been m- making mistakes they've been saying oh well and then charging the consumer more right. for those mistakes, you know, and, and I'm not going to point out anyone in, in you know, specific, uh, just in, in general, that's what's been happening. And, you know, I think if, if, if both sides can really start to come to some accountability, if, you know, the left can start to say, okay, you know, burning natural gas is not as horrible as, you know, we've been leading on uh like there are there are negative consequences i'm not going to say there aren't right, but you know if if certainly if, not as bad as coal right oh I mean, well, yeah, yeah yeah right, yeah. yeah, we'll have to talk to Mansion about that um but <laughs> <laughs> like I mean if we can just kind of come back to common sense and that's what that's what I think Larry and I are both about It's just common sense uh you know we're in Texas, we're gun toting you know oil and gas, you know field working you know. Texas, American loving, red blooded, you know, uh, uh, people, um, you know, we like our steaks rare, <laughs> you know, that we're just who we are. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, there there's no there's nothing saying that we cannot come back down to earth. You know, none of us are gods, you know, sit down at the table, and say, OK, I messed up here. I messed up here how can we fix this you know how can we make it better and over time actually make it better so
2: so how do let's 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 drill down on that because i i really like that point it's something i want to do and i don't have any bright ideas on how to do it but how do we actually make that happen um is it workshops is it we all go get a beer together how, how do we actually how do we actually do that because one I always have believed the more you interact with somebody even if you're diametrically opposed yeah. you generally figure out how to get along it's a lot you know it's a lot of times when you're not
1: directly interacting that, that problems happen yeah so I'm gonna chime in yeah I, I think, uh, think, uh, like me I like my cigars. I ain't talking cigaretteized damn cigarettes trying to pull the cigar <laughs> so a real okay. cigar smoker know what I'm talking about. A lot of time, many uh, many times, you sit around and you uh, you talk to. Uh, I've go to cigar lounges, and I've talked to diverse background. I've learned about things I would have never thought about. And what it is, you got to you got to stop looking at my uh, Chase and I as Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians. We got to start looking at each other as human beings. That we have good ideas, we have bad ideas, and we can find. Common ground. We have to build relationships with each other, not just while you're on this side and he's on that side and I'm over here. Because a whole key thing is working with each other to protect this generation, future generation of Texas from stupidity. And we and we all agree. We we met. There's some dumb people out there. You got plenty of people, and they're not. They're not. They're only dumb because they don't have factual information. They have false statements given to them, and they run with it. But I think building I, that personal link—I, I totally believe that. I, I, I don't
2: want to put a percent on it, but I will go ahead. I think eighty percent, ninety percent of what people describe as hate on both sides is ignorance, ignorance as a, as opposed to true. hate. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, another way that that and the way the parties are right now, like they're so power hungry, but if we could have at least four viable parties nationally and, you know, in Texas, you know how much stuff would get done? Like have four viable parties. I mean, we've got like two and a quarter now, right? We've got Democrats, Republicans, and libertarians. Y'all, y'all, get, y'all, we're, get we're not even a quarter. Like, <laughs> probably not. I, I was trying to be kind, right? you know. But like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I bet
2: you could. I bet you could say twenty percent. Pro got twenty percent. Yeah. So I mean, but unique I mean, situation, but yeah.
0: You know, we had uh, uh, Representative Fierro in, in El Paso. He uh, one of the first bills he tried to pass this this year was HB forty nine, bringing back straight party voting. And that was my first tweet. Was like, what? What are you doing? I was like, this is the worst thing you can do for democracy is to bring back straight party voting because it makes people not do their research. And you know, you can just boop Republican, boop, Democrat, and that's it. And that is that is the exact opposite of what a Democratic Republic is supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to have elected officials. And you're supposed to have taxation because of that representation. But right now we don't have that. We have two parties that are struggling for control. And then we have these smaller parties that like really have some good ideas. Sometimes they're a little weird, just depending on which one. (laughs) But like we have several other parties that have some really good ideas. And if we could find a way to make them viable as well. I think you'd find that it wouldn't be so, like, you know, two-sided, you know, left, right. You know, we could have a spectrum of government, you know, uh, cooperation. So let,
2: let's do this to to close out the podcast, because this has been a fascinating hour. Let's do this. I can really only speak to kind of energy, so we'll keep it in the in the energy realm. The three of us. We've all kind of hugged it out here on the uh, Chuck (laughs) Dot podcast. (laughs) What one or two things are we going to do to facilitate that relationship or that communication? And I want it to be really concrete and detailed. And uh, tell you what. Larry, I'll put you on the spot to go first. Chase, you go, and then I'll go last because that'll give me more time to think. And I'm the host, so I get that. <laughs> you get that. First. We're all flipping but, on it. Who's get
1: more time to think about this question, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Well, <laughs> it's, it's simple. I'm a people person, and yeah. it's about building solid relationships. Sitting down. You're a libertarian. You can be. I'm going to make you a Republican. I'm a Democrat I'm sitting here. You got to deal with that. You are okay? Now. Dare you? Yeah. But we are sitting here. And, and if we're building relationships, not on the floor arguing and watching the main news media, the main news media folks, turn them off. they're not about giving you truth. You might as well go watch unsolved mysteries because you might get better understanding. but my biggest thing is about building relationships so 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 to put words in your mouth are you gonna are you gonna?
2: And I'm sure, I'm sure we can find the money to do it. Are you going to have the annual cigar party where everybody's? Oh yes. No oh yes. Uh, oh yes. We'll pick a
1: pick a place in Austin to do that once a year. That's right. We sit down, have a good cigar, and if you don't smoke a cigar, come hang out anyway because we want you. We want to uh, find out who you are and what you think. There you go. <laughs> okay, I like that. We, okay,
2: so we've got an annual. And uh, maybe to to morph it to energy, you're going to host the cigar party. Mm-hmm. We'll either do it in Houston. We're going to do it in Austin. I will put you on the spot. You've got to bring five to ten environmentalists and maybe five to ten people that you think are kind of in the middle. And then I have to bring five to ten industry people that are kind of hardcore, maybe five to ten. That's
1: right. Put them in the room. They, they find out okay. they're human
2: beings. So we're gonna. We need a cool name for this. <laughs> Cigar energy.
1: Let's burn it up. the burn it up party. The burn it up party. I, when you say that, I, I think of the animal house and that my house is burning down. <laughs> yeah, that's the image I got. Right.
2: <laughs> All right. So we've got that. We'll uh we'll make sure that happens before next summer. We've got the burn it up party although I, I, that kind of offends the
1: environmentalists. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's fair to do to them. <laughs> no but the gist is just building relationships, forgetting what party affiliation. Just remember we're they're about serving all Texans, not just the small select group. And we oh, no one's here saying they want to pass new legislation that just outright they hate mankind. So then if they could blow them up they would. Right. This right. is not we everyone wants to think they're doing a little bit Good for everybody. Yeah. And all we all have good and bad ideas. Let's come together and listen listen, listen to each other. Don't bicker. Just listen to my view. You know, I, I'm gonna close, I'm gonna end it here with this one I'm saying. Is I've lived and worked internationally. i and I've learned you don't have to agree with someone's view, but you must be respectful of the review. And that's it for Larry Baggett.
2: I got you. Chase, what's right. your idea? We've got the cigar so, party.
0: What are you yeah. doing? Well, you know, I, my my second thing that I'm gonna do kind of goes off of that. Um, but the first thing is, you know, oil companies are already already getting their subsidies and stuff like that from the Texas government. If an oil company is negligent in something they do and they end up polluting, you know, land or water or whatever. Either the subsidy should be removed or they, there should be a fine, some type of thing, some, some type of government accountability, you know, to the company that negligently uh, polluted whatever area it is. Uh, I mean, I know they have a little slap on their wrist. Oh, okay, here you go. That was bad. You know, we need some harsher stuff. You know, if, if they are damaging the environment, you know, they need to be held account- accountable. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, we'll meet with people. You know, do a burn party or whatever y'all are talking about. <laughs> burning Burning Man at Chuck's house. But Ready, we're all Burning Man. This, this is the second thing, and this fits in with the whole Burning Man thing. Okay. Legalize marijuana for recreational adult use, because I mean, I know we already have hemp that's legal, but there's a lot of Energy type stuff that can come from hemp yeah. um, and then if you're legalizing marijuana uh for recreational adult use, you uh do a fifteen percent excise tax, you're bringing in two point one billion dollars into the state budget where you can form these commissions that are going out and checking these wells that are you know making sure that people are are trained properly on this and that. And then you got a lot of happy people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, happy people. <laughs> I mean, they're all asleep on on Chuck's couch, but yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. hey, I one hundred percent can tell you, uh, from a police officer standpoint, is I have arrested people with marijuana, and I arrested people that're drunk. They're drunk for the worst. Marijuana people, they just get in the car for you sometime. All, all right, right. back here, man. See that? <laughs> see that's the problem is people. Marijuana makes you crazy. Now you get around a few drunks. You know, people actually wear shirts. Do not insert alcohol beverages. <laughs> you know? <Well, laughs> go <laughs> ahead, Chuck. I'm sorry. No, joke. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as just
2: a political observer, I have not understood why the Republican Party in the state of Texas has not fought for that. Because, I mean, if you're the Republican Party in the state of Texas, you're sitting here with Californians moving in every day. And I understand that it is a line in the sand, the social issues that the Republican Party believes in. I get it, you know, in terms of abortion, et cetera. So I understand that is dear to them. But you've got to throw some sort of olive branch to the Californians moving in. And I've always thought marijuana is a perfect thing to do for that.
0: I mean, I mean it, 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 it it's fiscally... A great idea we already have the infrastructure because we already have the medical marijuana program so we have the crops right now we're we're paying like you know corn crop corn croppers to destroy corn crops <laughs> like what why not pay them to grow hemp i mean we've got everything and you know right now people are still smoking weed all the time i don't i can't stand it but you know there are weed smokers all around us. And so, you know, if they're getting it legally, they're going to Oklahoma or Louisiana or Colorado. Colorado or wherever. Like, they're getting it. And if they're not getting it from there, they're getting the cheap stuff from the cartel. You know, like... We,
2: we did a weird thing, because, I mean, what is possession of less than an ounce? It's a $25 fine. So, yeah, well, I mean, we, in yeah, effect... We, do, we, we, in effect legalized it but we're not taxing it. You know. Right. Yeah. So, so and I'm yeah. not a big fan of taxes, but yeah. No, but I it, see your point. It,
0: it, it's kinda like the syntax, you know, like, you know, if you if you want to smoke cigarettes, you're gonna you're gonna pay more because, you know, you want to do something that is obviously harmful to your body. Uh you know, you go to a, a bar, I, I believe you pay extra for uh, you know, drinks because it's yeah. you know it's something that's not good for you. Uh, technically so I mean it, it it runs along the same lines
1: I, I would you mentioned that syntax and I hadn't given much thought but I felt that's the most absurdity because sin is what you decided to be it didn't yeah. make it right or wrong right right right. I, I, I was listening to the philosophers like you know like Aristotle the former philosophers like they said it's not good nor bad Chuck it's how you decided to be Yeah, yeah. what makes it a sin is you and me I might, and yeah. that's why people argue all day long. That's why when they want to discuss abortion, there's an argument, right? Right. And, and that, that just it is, you decide. You decided. It. It's just like if I text your message, and I don't know what your mindset, and you were supposed to, I was supposed to meet with you, I go, or you were supposed to meet with me, right? And I go, you know, out of kindly, hey, what's up, man? And you you're having a bad moment. You just gave that text message a totally different different definition than I sent it. Well, you just you're mad about something, and you go well. H, hey, go you can go where you can get off, Larry. You know, like that because you don't know when someone looks at something. What's your mindset? Yeah,
2: no, I'll uh, I'll get I'll do a, a slight asterisk to your thing. Sin is what mom told me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Don't don't do that. She's probably right. Okay. So here's my weird idea on uh, on how we help bridget i'm going to say it in a political setting, but then we'll apply it to energy. You guys, as y'all are campaigning, it should be that once every two weeks you and your family have to go break bread with your opponent. No cameras can be at either one of your houses, can be at a restaurant, but no public appearance for it. You you just you, you should have to go
1: eat dinner together.
0: I would love to, but he doesn't actually live in my district.
1: <laughs> 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 well, well, there so, you are. Two thousand twenty-one. Something, 2021, 2021,
2: something tells he's <laughs> me he's not inviting you to dinner now. But,
0: I mean, something with the uh, trolling on Twitter tells me he's not inviting me to dinner. Also, but, but yeah, I think
2: I think that should have to happen. And to the point, kind of like your cigar party that we're uh, we're gonna do is. The CEO of Chevron will pick on Mike Worth. Should have to go eat dinner once a month, once a quarter, with the head of the Environmental Defense Fund. No cameras around, no media around. Chatham House rules, maybe you know. Yeah. they can't. They're both sworn to secrecy, but they should at least have to go break bread.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a great idea, and, and I think you'd see a lot of changes. And you know. They'd have to go somewhere nice, obviously. <laughs> so you can't make a big scene, you know, somewhere nice. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that's an, a tremendous idea.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for coming in. Just real quick, you got a website for the campaign if people want to learn more?
0: Yes, I do. Uh, I've also got something for you. Uh-oh. Can, I didn't bring you nothing. He's that, trying to get that, a point that, on you. You are show both. So... <laughs> That's the website. It's www.westfortexas.com. That's F-O-R-T-X dot com. Uh, I got it before Alan West decided he was running, so he had to do the West number four, Texas dot nice. com. Uh, and this is for you, bag. Chuck. Oh, I appreciate that much. A wow. lot of people don't realize that when Chuck would come to the studio, he was obsessed with uh, with our hand sanitizer. Well, one of my merchandise things is a uh, hand sanitizer. So there's a bunch of Chase West hand sanitizer in there for you. That that uh, is so <laughs> true because we
2: were recording all of these in the height of COVID. Yeah, and uh,
0: and that is your Christmas gift. Oh it's, nice! It's supposed to be rare. I don't know anything about <laughs> it, but
2: oh my gosh. We're not going to sanitize hands with this. We will the sanitizers hands. in there. Yeah. Well, um, well, thank you very much.
0: I also gave you a, a lighter that has my logo in green for the uh, burn party. For the burn party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, Jesus. Got your t-shirt in there. We were going to get Colin a t-shirt. However, when they tried to put the print on it, it was going all the way to the arms because the shirt was so small. <laughs> so you know, I can only get you a t-shirt. Uh, uh, appreciate that.
1: That's uh, the beautiful. Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to be honest. I didn't bring you nothing except for me. So I do apologize. It's you been gift points. enough. So I appreciate you coming on. Hey, no, but I'm, right now I have, I have my Facebook uh, baggage for Texas House District Three. You can follow me there. I, I do put videos out. Uh, I I've done some speaking engagements as well. I bring them back up. So, uh, but you can find me there. I do not have a website yet, but I uh, I'm, I am definitely working with someone. Matter of fact, now that I am an official candidate, I've people reaching out to me that's got experience in campaigning from the Democratic Party who is willing to help me to see me see me move forward in this election the appropriate way so we get some balance of power and send send mr cecil bell home let him retire where he's done his retirement through the state funding i know he has so uh it's time to get some balance of power up there in austin
2: well appreciate you guys uh coming on and if you're elected i hope we will and even if you're not elected i hope we stay in touch but i i hope if elected we can uh really figure out ways to get together and talk about energy. it's just so important to this state, yeah, and uh we're really having a lot of problems when it comes to the feds and so it's in it's in Texas's best interest to figure out how to police ourselves and keep the feds as far away from this as we can agreed, yes, sir.